One of the things I often hear from small business owners is they don't really understand how to read their financial statements. They don't really understand what they need to be looking at to be able to manage their business more effectively when it comes to their finances. Frankly, that it's just confusing and they don't feel like they have a lot of confidence when it comes to looking at their numbers. So this is you. We're going to go through today kind of a small business finance one-on-one so that you have a foundation to feel confident when it comes to your small business finances. So listen up, grab your coffee, and let's get going. Hey friend, welcome to the Small Business Finance Podcast. Do you want confidence and clarity with your business finances? Do you find yourself up late at night searching for tax deductions, how to track your business finances, or QuickBooks tips? Do you wake up with big ambitious goals? Do you end up feeling confused and frustrated because accounting and tax is really boring? Hi, I'm Tiffany. I've heard this so many times from my clients who used to feel this way. They feel overwhelmed about what to do with their numbers and wish they could stop the financial madness. They wanted clarity and the ability to grasp the financial basics to know through cool when they had a question and to stop worrying about owing money to the IRS. But they thought they weren't good with numbers and the overwhelm put them stuck without any solid financial plan until they realized that business systems are the ticket to gaining financial confidence. In this podcast, you will learn step-by-step systems, easy-to-understand financial tips, and mindset transformation so that you will gain financial confidence as an entrepreneur. So dust off your spreadsheet, warm up your coffee, and let's get going. So I was talking to a new client of mine this week, and she has good monthly financials. She looks at those financials. She monitors those financials, but she's not really sure how to make some key decisions in her business. She's not really sure when it makes sense to expand. She wasn't really sure what those next steps are to continue growth. She's had some great success at this point. She's done well, but how do we get to the next level? How do we do those next things? And It really boiled down to not really feeling confident about the information that she had and what it means and how to move forward into the future confidently. I want to just talk through some basic financial things that maybe you know some of these things, but I'm going to guess you don't know all of them. So this is really going to be a great, what I like to call small business finance one-on-one, kind of back to college, if you will, the one-on-one course so that we can just get you off on the right foot and we can set you down that path to really understanding your business finances. I can't stress enough how critical it is as a business owner to have a good, strong foundation when it comes to business finances. Way too many business owners just really don't know what it means. They don't understand how to read a profit and loss statement. You may not even know what a profit and loss statement is or a balance sheet. You may not know what a cash flow statement is. You may not know how to read your tax return. Your CPA just may send it to you. You kind of look at it and go, I don't even know what this means. I have no idea. I'm going to sign it and move on. Can I just give you a strong, gentle word of caution when it comes to blindly accepting what's being given to you, especially when it comes to your business finances and taxes. It is easy when you are a business owner to just assume that the person 
Does doing this stuff for you has your best interests at heart? That is not always the case, unfortunately. I've seen quite a few times in my life as a CPA where that wasn't the case. And I'm going to say that is the minority. It doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. And then not only that, not only if we get beyond fraud or we get beyond someone who's just unscrupulous and not looking out for your best interest, when it comes to being able to move forward and grow the business, being able to move forward and know that you're on the right trajectory to meet your goals, to get to the next level, to know whether or not you should hire that next person, to what know whether or not this is a business you should acquire. Are you in a good place to be able to do that? Honestly, there's so many questions that come up and finances are the crux of whether or not you can do those things. And so I just urge you to make sure that you are taking steps. And, and I get it. They're going to be baby steps. You are not, you're not going to college for an accounting degree or a finance degree. And you shouldn't like that is not the best use of your time, but it is a really good use of your time to have at least a good understanding so that you have confidence. And that's what we're going to do today is start that process so that you can have confidence in your finances moving forward. So that's really kind of, I guess what I would say the importance of having financial literacy is having that confidence. So let's dig into some of the key areas of your finances that you need to know about as a small business owner. Number one, let's talk about the key financial statements. Those would be a profit and loss statement, a balance sheet, and a cash flow statement. So there's three and they all kind of talk together. Think about it if you have, maybe you speak a second language or maybe you're just amazing and you can speak more than two languages. I personally can um, speak English and ask where the bathroom is and maybe a beer in Spanish. <laughs> that's really all I've got. So if you are um, fluent in other languages, that's amazing. But accounting, I guess I could say I do have a second language where accounting is a language. It speaks to each other. So these financial statements, the profit and loss, the balance sheet, the cash flow statement, they all speak to each other and they move in and out to where these numbers all kind of go together. And it may not look like that when you're looking at three distinct statements in your mind, you might go, well, it's just a profit and loss. It just tells me how much revenue came in. It just tells me how much profit I had. That's it. I can kind of look and go, well, did I make money or not? But the reality is, is that information actually goes on your balance sheet in key numbers on your balance sheet and profit and loss go into your cash flow statement, especially your balance sheet. Those numbers are more into the cash flow statement, but they all kind of combine to give you a picture. Think about a beautiful painting that there's just artists, let's like Monet or Rembrandt or one of these really amazing artists that they just pour their heart and their soul into a creation that once they're done with it, it may not look like a lot while they're in the process of creating this painting, but man, when they're done, it's just amazing and stunning. I'm not saying a profit and loss is stunning. Don't get me wrong. Don't get it twisted. But what I am saying is it does paint a picture. And if, when you start understanding how those work together, then you will see that. So what are some of the key components that make up these financial statements? Like, what goes on the profit and loss? What goes on the balance sheet and what goes on the cash flow statement? So let's start with the profit and loss. It's the one that I think most people are familiar with when it comes to managing your business finances. 
essentially what it does is it shows you how much revenue you brought in. The revenue is, of course, the money that your customers pay you. That could be for a service. That could be for maybe you own an e-commerce store or a retail store. It could be for a good or service. But it's going to be the money that comes in. And that is typically, or it is rather, the first line on your profit and loss statement. When you move down that profit and loss statement, and I would actually encourage you to get yours and look at it as it compares to how I'm describing this to you. So if you don't have it right now, pause me, go grab it and come back because it is going to make a difference. And if you can, I think most people are visual learners. So if you have it in front of you, it's going to help you really understand how I'm describing this. And while you're at it, go ahead and get your balance sheet as well. You may not have a cash flow statement, but go get your financials. Okay, so back to that. So you have your revenue. When you move down the profit and loss, the next section is your cost of goods sold or your cost of sales. It'll be normally called cost of goods sold or COGS, but cost of sales is another term for it. This is typically going to be your cost related to directly related to that revenue in manufacturing or in construction industries that have direct materials, whether it's, let's talk about building a house, right? So if you build a house, you've got uh, lumber, you have sheetrock, you have paint, uh, and then you're going to have labor associated with that, whether that's subcontractors or your own employees that are actually doing the work for you. Those things are direct cost to that job. You're building a house, you have to have the materials to build it, and you have to have the labor involved in it. If you are in manufacturing and you're building a widget on your manufacturing floor, then you are also going to have materials and labor associated with that. That material and labor is in that cost of goods sold or cost of sales section. When you take your revenue and you remove those direct costs, you get what's called gross margin. Gross margin is a super critical number that you need to be looking at if you're in an industry that does have direct costs associated with that revenue. If you're in a service industry like, for instance, my accounting firm, I don't really have a cost of goods sold section or a cost of sales section because I don't have um, those direct costs associated with the jobs. You could argue I have the labor. So arguably we could discuss labor as a, as a part of that. But it's not super common in a service-oriented business to have that section. So if you're in a service industry, you're probably not going to have that section at all. And really, you're just looking at revenue. And that's really going to be your metric to see how you're moving um, and benchmarking what's going on in your business. So when we move past gross margin, then we're into what we call overhead cost. If you're in a larger company, like when I was in corporate many years ago, they would call that SGNA, Sales General Administration. It is the operating area. So the costs that go into this section are going to be your administrative labor. It's going to be your office expenses, your software expenses. It's going to be really all the things that go into your business that you can't directly tie to the product that you're selling or the service that you're selling. So that is going to be much more general. It is going to be more broad. It is going to be those operating costs. So when you have all of those costs, when you remove that from your gross margin or your revenue, depending on your industry, the last thing you're going to get, and I'm simplifying this just a touch, but the last thing you're going to get is your net income. 
So your net income is what you've made, what you've profited from the business. Now, if you are a cash-based business, and most small businesses are, unless you are, you know, 20 million plus in revenue, sometimes 15, sometimes smaller than that, it makes sense to actually go accrual. And we'll get into accrual and cash later. I'm making the assumption you're cash. And if that's the case, typically, if you do have fixed assets, those on the balance sheet, we'll get to that in a second. If you do have fixed assets that you are depreciating when it comes time to do your taxes, then you might have a couple of other things that go in there. And sometimes those like depreciation and amortization go below net income. We're not going to get too in the weeds here because I really want to give some broad strokes. I do plan to dig deeper into some of these topics in future episodes. I really just want to give you the baseline to get started today. So let's get into the balance sheet. Let's get into that second financial statement. The balance sheet is more about the value of your business. So it's going to have two sections. The top section is going to be assets. The bottom section is going to be liabilities and equity. Those two sections should equal each other. They balance. That's the thing that a lot of people don't realize is accounting balances. It all, like, it's very much like a yin and yang, a positive and a negative. It's two magnets that attract each other. You've got the positive side and the negative side. You have to have both. It's femininity and masculinity. You have to have opposites. That is a balance sheet. You've got the asset side, and then the other side, you have the liabilities and equity. And if they don't equal, they're not in balance and it doesn't work. Hence the name balance sheet. So the top half is the asset side. If you have your balance sheet in front of you, take a look at it and just observe and notice what is on your balance sheet. It should start with cash, operating accounts, savings account, maybe some money market accounts, that your more liquid assets, in other words, the things that if you needed money today, you could go get money out of those accounts and get it today. You wouldn't have to sell anything. You wouldn't have to do a whole lot to be able to get that cash in your hands. Those are going to be those top accounts, your current assets, we call them. Then you get into um, other current assets or long-term assets, things that are not as liquid. And those are more miscellaneous kind of accounts. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. Um, but then the next section is going to be your fixed assets. So those fixed assets, as I mentioned a second ago, those are going to be like machinery, equipment. These are going to be things that you can physically put your hands on. If you need a cash, a cash, you'd have to sell them to someone else and get that cash. It's a little bit harder to get the cash for those assets. Different businesses have more assets than others. Service-based businesses typically don't. They might have some office equipment or something like that. That typically service-based businesses, you're not going to have a lot of fixed assets. That things like manufacturing, you're going to have a ton of assets. Something like construction, you're going to have, maybe have some backhoes. I don't know. (laughs) But those fixed assets are going to go there. And you're going to have, they call it a contra asset account depreciation where it's a negative number. Typically, and I'll just throw this out there right now. Typically, you are not supposed to see negative numbers on your balance sheet unless it is depreciation, accumulated depreciation, um, or it is uh, withdrawals to your equity at the very bottom of the balance sheet. Those are really the only two times, oh, and, and accumulated amortization. So those three things are the only accounts that should have a negative number. If you see negative numbers anywhere else on your balance sheet, that's a problem and you need to ask your accountant about that. 
those are areas that need to be adjusted. And it might not be a lot. It might be a minor thing where I see this a lot is when we get into the liability side. So I'll talk about that in a minute. But just know that that's an issue. That's a red flag. You don't want to see that. So moving down past fixed assets, we have intangible assets. If you've acquired a business, you have things like goodwill. Um, There can be some other intangible assets. Those are the things that are amortized. So these are things that you can't physically touch, but they do have value to them. Let's just say um, I acquire a CPA firm and I'm acquiring this firm. So I'm not getting a hard asset, but I am getting the value of a relationship this other CPA had with their clients. So there is value in that. It's an inherent value that is called goodwill. So that would go into the intangible assets column. And then you you have accumulated amortization that reduces that value every year. Typically, that is split out over 15 years. So that amortization expense then hops over to your profit and loss statement. So then all those numbers net to tell you what is your asset value on your books. So from there, we get into the liabilities and equity section. Liabilities are going to start with current liabilities. This is going to be accounts payable. This may be some credit cards that you have in the business. So that's pretty straightforward. Then beyond that, we get more into payroll taxes, which are also current liabilities. Uh, Typically, it's split out a little bit different, either in that category or potentially a subcategory where it's other current liabilities and sales tax. So if you are an econ business or something like that, where you're required to have sales tax, those are going to be next generally speaking. And oftentimes those are the accounts that I see can get a little weird and sometimes have negative numbers and just odd things going on. So again, if you see that, then ping your accountant and find out what's happening there. So then from there, we get into long-term liabilities, which by the way, typically current liabilities are going to be subtotaled. So you kind of know what that number is. You get into long-term liabilities. Those are also going to be subtotaled. Those are going to be notes payable with the bank. Those are going to be notes payable with uh, maybe you bought a new vehicle for the business. That is going to be in this category as well. Um, you want to make sure that when payments are being made to these long-term notes, that they are split between principal and interest. The only thing that hits the balance sheet is the actual principal to the loan. The interest is an expense that's so going to be on the profit and loss statement. And so One of the things that we do when we're making sure financials are done properly is we're looking at those balances and making sure that they're correct because that can really skew your numbers. If you're not putting the right thing in there and if you're putting the whole payment onto a note, well, then you're actually overpaying your taxes because you're not getting the deduction of the interest. So you want to be careful about that. So then after liabilities, we get into equity. Equity is really the value of the business. How much do you have? I like to call it a savings account. What is the savings account of your business? So when you make money and you are profitable, or maybe you have to put money into the business, a contribution, that increases your equity. So think of it as that savings account where that value um, every month is going up because you are making profit every month. So as that value goes up, your bank account, your savings account is increasing. So then as long as that number is positive, then you can take a withdrawal, an owner withdrawal and reduce that savings account, quote unquote, to take some of that hard-earned money and pay yourself. These owner's contributions are um, already taxed um, on your tax return. So this isn't going to be wages. That's totally separate. It's a totally separate conversation. But it is kind of extra for you to be taking out of the business if the cash flow can substantiate it. If you have the cash 
that you need in the business, then you can take that out and as a withdrawal. So then those liabilities and that equity balance sums up totals to give you an amount that again equals the assets. The balance sheet is super powerful. It's really what banks like to see. They like to make sure that you have a strong balance sheet. I would say of the three financial statements, that's the one the bankers like the most. So the third financial statement is a cash flow statement. This can be fairly complex, so I don't want to spend a lot of time here. But what I will say about a cash flow statement, it is it's the puts and the takes of your finances. So if you um, are accrual basis and you have accounts receivable and accounts payable, then the increases and decreases impact your cash flow statement. As does your cash account, whether it's going up and down from one period to the next month over month or year over year, depending on how you're looking at it. And then things like buying fixed assets does the same thing. So this is um, this is kind of showing you where your cash is, whether you're positive or negative. You, if you take this a step further, um, so you have like kind of a summary and then you have um, a more detailed cash flow statement. That detailed cash flow statement, you look at it month to month and you're looking to say, okay, what are my beginning balances um, of my cash accounts? Um, what am I expecting to sell this month? How much am I going to increase those sales? Um, my overhead costs, how much is my cash going to decrease? And you're kind of doing this positive, you know, plus and minus tracking thing. You should be able to look at your cash flow statement month over month and have a really good idea of where you're at from a, from a um, liquidity standpoint in the business. So you should be able to look out and say, okay, great. I can pay my expenses for 90 days. I can pay my expenses for 180 days. This is how we're tracking. This is what I'm expecting to be happening in the business. So the cash flow statement is one of those things that is critical when it comes with planning the future and knowing, well, do I have the money to hire that other employee? Do I have the money to buy this other piece of equipment? Do I need to lay off? You know, is is the business at a point where we're declining and I don't have enough sales coming in to support our overhead costs. Or conversely, I don't want to lay off. I really want to get this thing going again. So I'm going to get my sales team out there, get them motivated so that they know we've got to get some money coming in. Um, But it gives you that barometer, kind of a temperature, if you will, a gauge to know how you're doing. And it really is very powerful as a business owner to be able to look at that and know how you're doing and if you're doing well or if you have room for improvement. So beyond that, once we get past the financial statements, the other thing that I would say is really critical for the foundation of finance, the foundation of accounting in your business is key metrics, key performance indicators is what I like to call them KPIs. These are metrics that really tell you a lot about your business. And every business is different. And what we do when we're working with our clients is we look at a business and understand what's going on in it and build out what those metrics are. What really are the things that we need to look at for this business in particular? Because again, every business is unique. So for instance, we might want to look at gross margin. If it is a business like a manufacturing facility, we want to look at gross margin. If our target is 50% gross margin, but we're actually hitting 45%, that's a problem. Either our sales team is not selling at the right amount. They're not selling at the right dollar amount to the customers. We're giving too many discounts. 
or maybe our costs have gone up. Maybe our employees on the manufacturing floor are working too many hours over uh, overtime is out of control. And so our labor costs are too high, or maybe we've had an increase in material costs. Then it gives you a number. So if gross margin is too low, then we go, well, let's look into this. Why? What's going on? Let's dig. But it gives us a piece of the puzzle that allows us to dig and know more about what's going on and then make decisions in our business to move forward. Another metric might be uh, days sales outstanding, DSOs. So that is a measure of if your customers don't pay up front and you actually invoice them and they have to pay later, that tells you how many days is it taking them to pay. If you're paying all of your payables in 30 days or less, or maybe you're you're paying them immediately, you get the invoice and you just pay that sucker, <laughs> which by the way, don't do that. <laughs> I recommend you don't do that. Um, but if, if that's what's going on, but you're customers are not paying for 45 days, that will wreak havoc on your cash flow. That is a real problem. You need those things to be more in line. So customers need to be paying closer to that 30 days or less mark. You really want your customers paying up front if at all possible. And then on the back end, if you have net 30 terms from your vendors, then pay them closer to that 30 day mark. And that's going to be really helpful from a cash flow perspective. But you don't know that if you're not looking at your DSOs. And conversely, if you're not looking at what, what are your, what, how frequently are you paying your vendors? So you want to look at those two things. A couple of other things that you might look at is your close rate or close ratio. So when you have salespeople, how maybe it's a sales order or uh, in my world where we do sales calls, if I have 10 sales calls, how many of those am I closing? What's that rate? What is the benchmark? What should be the rate of that? If I have a sales team and they're doing as sales orders, um, then how often are those being closed? They, how, I guess more like a conversion of a quote to a sales order is really the, a better way to say that. But what is that conversion rate? Like that's going to tell you a lot. And that's just a handful of things. There can be so many more things than that. Maybe if we look at marketing and we look at Google ads, Facebook ads, or whatever your methods are for getting customers in, what is the conversion on your marketing ads. And maybe you can look at it overall as a big number. Maybe you need to look at that segmented by category of where these customers are coming in to where you know that, well, maybe my my um, amount of customers come in looks really great overall. But when I look at the detail and I have five different channels for bringing in customers and I look at Facebook ads and I'm like, man, that's a dog. Like that's not going well at all. So if I pull that out and I reallocate that money into an area that is really killing it, then the business overall thrives more because I made that one change. But if you aren't looking at a more in-depth view of your your metrics of the business, you don't know those things. You know, what you measure, then you can change. If you aren't measuring something, you can't change it. And that's a problem. You need to just pull your head out of the sand. Like, I get it we're busy and we've got a lot going on and we want to just stick our heads in the sand and just think everything's going to be fine. That doesn't actually change anything. So if you want to change your business, you've got to start looking at it. You really have to just have your moment and go, okay, I may not like what I see. I may not like it. But if I look at this and I get uncomfortable and I get okay with being uncomfortable and looking at those numbers every day or every week, 
then I know my business is going to change because I'm doing the hard thing. You're doing the things. If you're doing, if you're looking at these things, these metrics, if you're looking at your financials, if you're really taking this seriously, I can just tell you, you are in the top echelon when it comes to small business owners and your business will thank you for it. Your pocketbook is going to thank you for it. These are just a few of the things from a foundational lens, if you will, this small business finance 101 that you really need to have a grasp on. I'm going to make this a little bit of a series where we're going into more detail on the things that you need to know about when it comes to the small business finances. I hope that you have really enjoyed this. Um, It's been a whole lot of fun explaining some of the things that come really naturally to me, but I know doesn't come naturally to a lot of small business owners. So I really hope that you have found value in this. If you have, I would love, love, love if you would share this episode with a friend of yours that also owns a small business owner. Do them a favor because I can tell you they probably don't know these things either. And if you send this to them and say, hey, I was thinking of you, I really thought that you could use this and I think that this is going to bless you. I know they'll appreciate it. I for sure would appreciate it if you do that as well. So be be sure to stay tuned to these next episodes that I'm going to be putting out because I know you're going to love them and I really cannot wait to be here next time. 